Welcome back to the Mel K Show. I'm very excited. This interview has been a long time coming. We've been back and forth for a while, and I'm really excited today. Many of you know my guests from the Alpha Warrior Show, and I'm excited to welcome Alfredo Luna to the show. Thank you for joining me, sir. I am super pumped to be here. Oh, great. And uh, we've been in touch for a long time, and it's been quite a battle, quite a journey we've both been on, but you've been on multiple journeys because you are also a political persecution a survivor of January 6th and so much is coming out. So why don't you tell my audience first and foremost, a little bit about your background, and then we'll get into your January 6th story, which is one of the most disturbing and maybe people don't know about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first biggest accomplishment is I'm a dad. So I'll, I'll start off with that. Um, next after that, uh, joined the Marine Corps uh, a few days after 9-11, uh, saw what happened, said I'm going to fight for my country. Uh, became a grunt, went to war in 2003 in Iraq uh, after my service, said I want to continue to service, became a cop, uh, worked for the city of Cathedral City down in Southern California, got awards, uh, congressional recognitions, uh, <laughs> funny enough, an award from the FBI signed by uh, James Comey. Not proud of who signed it, definitely proud of of my award. Yeah. Uh, Medal of Valor, um, four officer-involved shootings. It was a very... It was probably the career every cop dreams of uh, as far as, you know, the things I got to experience, but it also came with a lot of hard things. Yeah. Um, towards the end of my career, uh, we had a change of leadership. <laughs> they tried to compromise me. I said no. That led me into a legal battle uh, with the agency after 14 and a half years. Wow. Um, then it brought us to the present day of, of January 15th where no, no criminal background, no run-ins with the law. My Bonnie and Clyde moment was a tinted windows ticket, you know, back in the early 2000s. Uh, you know, it's right. I was a I was a goody two shoes, but my home would get uh, flash banged and I would be awakened by the FBI SWAT team. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So uh, I do want to get into your story because people have to understand you can't hear it enough how weaponized and politicized uh, this government has become against we the people, especially patriots like yourself. It, it does seem, I've had on a lot of January 6th defendants, some of the lawyers, some of the journalists, it does seem that they were particularly uh, concerned and hard on veterans and cops, and you happen to be both. So let's talk about that day. Um, what? Uh, just walk us through it because it's terrifying. And again, we're seeing it happen more and more. And at this point, if we really don't stand up and fight back and take back this nation, uh, it's going to become normalized to a, a point that we cannot allow. So tell your story because people have to understand it from the point of view of somebody who experienced it. I'll start with the thing that I've struggled the most with in, in my story. I was always under the impression that if you're a good person and you abide by the law, you know, not a saint, but you're God fearing and you just try to be a decent human being that you don't have to worry about things like the Department of Justice coming to attack you. And I learned that that's not where we're at as a country. Um, like I said, January 15th of 2021, early morning hours, family's asleep. It's actually my son's birthday. You know, January 15th is his birthday. And we hear a loud explosion outside. The truck alarm starts going off. My house alarm starts going off. And I actually think either someone crashed into my truck or somebody was trying to steal my truck and hit the garage. Now, at night, I sleep with my old duty pistol on the nightstand. 
And there's only been about three or four times where a situation has happened where I've had to grab that, you know, late in the night. Yeah. And the reason being, if anybody's wondering, well, why do you have it that close for Alpha? Uh, I used to work undercover as gangs. And at the yeah. time that this went down, actually, even now, there's still open cases in courts from attempt homicides, homicides, like major gang cases I have. So I always have to be ready if these guys find out where I live to protect my family. But for whatever reason, I didn't grab my pistol. I grabbed my phone. And as I run to the front door and I start turning off the alarm panel, we rent an old Adobe style house. So the front door is textured glass. I'm turning it off and the missus is like, get away from the door. And I look at it and there's about a dozen red dots just all moving around the, the front door. And immediately my phone goes off and I answer it. And it's the dispatcher saying, you know, this is the FBI. We have your home surrounded, you know, come out. So kids are, are in tears. Um, baby luckily still asleep in, in her little bassinet and I'm telling the family in the hallway I'm like listen it's the cops it's fine these are the good guys we'll figure it out mm. because that's all they know is that you know cops are the good guys so I put my airpod in because there's no way I'm holding my phone in my hand and I tell dispatcher hey let the guys know I'm coming out nothing's in my hands I'm talking to you from an airpod and so I can hear her relay it through their their PA system so I step out walk out to my front yard they're ordering me i see there's a the armored bear cat is oh, inside wow. my front lawn um on top of it there's a guy on the turret with uh with the rifle and dozen or so uh other swat team members there's a drone in the sky i mean they went all out wow. and then for the first time that's not a training scenario you know i find myself being ordered to turn around walk backwards i put my hands behind my head and i hear the the sound that every every cop knows you know or criminal click 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 and I realize I'm not free anymore. Yeah. You know, and yeah. they sit me, they sit me down on the sidewalk. And that's not the hardest part though, Mel. The the hardest part is now I have to watch that happen to my family. Yeah. And and one by one I see them called out, you know, with guns pointed at them. You know, I chose that lifestyle of service, yeah. you know. And as crazy and intense as it was for me, I can't fathom what it was for them because they're not, they're just normal people. And, you know, to see that and then to see that, you know, the missus didn't have the baby. They wouldn't let her bring the baby out at the time. Our daughter was two right. months old. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. And the other part is, too, and I know that I've talked to many people like this. They do this in front of your whole neighborhood. So everyone now thinks something's wrong with you. And the scariest part of your story, because I lived in L.A. for 18 years, is that um, you were undercover with gangs and stuff. This is very, very dangerous for them to uh, kind of not only do this and make an example of you, but after that, I believe um, you were outed and doxxed and your name put out and that you actually were a undercover cop in the gang world. So talk about um, from then on, they tell you what, 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 what are they saying they're arresting you for? Uh, meanwhile, this is so overkill and terrifying that they need 12, they could have just, honestly, and this is with everyone I've talked to, they could have literally had two guys knock on your door and, and that would have been it. This ha this was a production and a show. I can't believe that there are, you know, these, as per Adolf Eichmann, there are these people that are following orders that know that this is so wrong. But uh, anyway, they tell you what? So I'm I, immediately, you know, this is my profession. You know, I'm actually an expert in state of California for search words and, and, and gangs. So I'm right. like, Hey, where's the warrant? We'll get it to you. We'll get it to you. They don't ever show me the search warrant until they're done and they're leaving is when they finally show it. 
They so they take him to the well before they take him to the backyard and we're in the front yard because it's even though it's California, you guys, in January it's really cold, especially yeah. you know that time of the morning. So we're saying, I'm like, hey, look, it's a little house. Go, you know, because I was part of a tactical team. I did these kind of you know dynamic you know search warrants. Right. I said, listen, small house. We don't have a lot of things. Go clear the living room. Make it safe. Take my family in there. It's cold. And they did it. You know, they just left them out there. And finally, when the sun's coming up is, is when they took them inside and they take me to the backyard. And I'm sitting in the backyard. You know, I've got a couple of operators that are surrounding me. And finally, the two agents show up. Um, it's Special Agent Armenta from the FBI and Detective uh, John Candius, who's assigned to the Joint Terrorism Task Force, who actually works for the Rialto PD or used to work for the Rialto PD. So they sit down and I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? And Sarmenta opens up his black uh, leather bifold and I see screen printouts of my Twitter account or, you know, X now formerly known as Twitter. And in my head, I'm like, you got to be effing kidding me. God, Like this, if this is what this is about, if this is what you put my family through, like this is ridiculous. So he goes, well, we want to talk to you about your social media um, being potentially violent. I said, listen, man, nothing in my social media is violent. I want my attorney. Yeah. And, and and no one has to take my word for it. Like I can't even FBI... believe this. This sounds so insane to me. I can't. so because you did this for a living with actual criminals that were murderers and drug addicts, and here they're handcuffing you, taking you down this huge production, and they're showing you Twitter uh, posts. It just seems unbelievable. And for you personally. You know, you probably had to do so many things to prepare to do these kind of arrests yourself. And you have to know in your head at this point that these guys looked at all of this stuff and still went ahead and, and went to this extreme situation. So you're sitting there. Are you allowed to ask anything? You ask for your lawyer. Are are, are these guys looking at you like is there any recognition in their faces, any of them? That what they're doing is totally wrong or they are acting like this is a, a, a criminal crazy thing that that's normal well at the time so this is january 15th of 2021 so this is only nine days after january 6th so they have zero expression on their face that they're doing anything wrong as a matter of fact um detective Ar armenta the whole time he's looking at me and he's talking to me like, you know, the tone of vo someone's voice reveals a lot. Yeah. He's talking to me like I'm a dirtbag. Like, like if I'm a criminal, like, I mean, it was, you know, if you ever listen to the audio, there's a, there's a very distinct difference between them. You know, some people call it good, bad cop, but yeah. I've done enough. I mean, I've been a part of thousands of interviews. I know, you know, when, when someone doesn't like you, you know, and that, that was his position. Wow. So, as far as I immediately asked, can I go see my family? Can I check on my family? And they're like, no, no, we got to talk to you. We got to talk to you. So at this point, I have no idea other than my family was taken back inside the house. What's happening to them? I don't know if the baby is now with, you know, either my teenagers or the missus. Like, I don't know. And as for my attorney, they don't care. You know, they they forced the interview. It's like, you're not going in there until we're done doing this. So they start asking a series of questions. They start questioning me. Uh, on my posts. So the the first post and the post that they focused around, and, and I'll read it, is it spicy? It's spicy, but it's not illegal. Uh, so this post I put, and it's dated January 6th of 2021, and I put, will you fight, bleed, maybe even die with me as we take on the evil that is now stealing our nation? I'm a Marine combat veteran, law enforcement veteran of 14 years, and my allegiance is to God, family, and country. I'm ready. Are you? 
time to patriot the f up god wins with that you know being the expletive you know not not the censored version and you weren't in dc correct no i was not i i was working in southern california what is that you know three thousand some miles right away which is funny because when you look at um uh, what's that democratic congressman that pulled the fire alarm right yeah Uh, they're saying well he was yeah, they're, they're saying, well, he was 500 meters away. There's no way he could have had an impact. I'm like, I was 3,000 miles away. Unbelievable. And, right. and you guys said, you know, that was a close enough proximity to be considered, you know, part of January 6th. Now, at the time that this goes down and all the way up until, I think, late last year, I'm the only J6er that's been arrested that was not at D.C. I think since then they've done it to one other person now. Right. Yeah. There's been a couple others, but it's still anyway, there were millions of posts like that that day and what they are based on is 1776 and taking back the nation this this that post to me what regardless of what people think now because now so much has come out but as a post on social media if if it was such a problem then social media could have flagged it but let alone this is now at the time we didn't know about the twitter files we didn't know a lot of the, what we know now but you personally First of all, your poor family, and these are, I know you have teenagers, but you have also very young children. Your wife just gave birth to a new baby. They're they're treating you like a criminal. This is over Twitter posts. It, it's, it's shocking. It's over Twitter posts. So do they then um, take you in or do they uh, allow you that day to, what, what what's the next thing that happens to you? This is so, I mean, people have to understand, this is so uh, uh, unconstitutional on every level. It's it's shocking. And so many officers involved in FBI knowing this. Uh, but at this point, I guess they're all riled up. They have their marching orders. Anyone that it, it's just you weren't there, which is which is the main issue. But go ahead. This is so crazy. So they're, they're so they're reading these things out to me. And like I said, I write search warrants. I go into the judges chambers, you know, where we raise our hand and testify that everything on that warrant is true and accurate to the best of our knowledge, you know, because a, a search warrant allows us to violate somebody's fourth amendment. Like that's what people need to understand that it's a big deal. Yeah. And I'm asking them, I go, how did you guys get a judge to sign this right. off of what you got? Cause my head's going through, like, there's no probable cause here. Right. Exactly. They're like, well, you know, uh, your social media leads us to believe that you were going to disrupt the January 20th inauguration. And I go, I'm like, how? How they're like, well, you were gonna, you were trying to incite people. I go, what? As I go, so here's where I knew this is my first moment where I know they start to do, they're starting to do things that are unethical and dirty. Aside from them being at my home, yeah. I go, how did you get a judge to sign a warrant saying that I'm gonna, that I'm planning to disrupt the inauguration, that I'm inciting people to do this? When a few days ago, I tweeted. So at the time, Mal, there was this post, and it was going viral. It was a red banner with the Statue of Liberty, and it was telling people to go to the national capital or their state capital and to go armed. And But there's no one that was taking credit for the post. So a bunch of us retweeted that, it was, and this is what I said. Do not go and do wow. this. This is a BLM. And yeah, I remember tra- that. I remember that because we follow so each other. I, I remember. So <laughs> I, I asked. I think the, I was kicked off by then, but I remember <laughs> the post. So, so I, I asked the agents, how did, how did, how did you get a judge to sign this when I put this now, since they were being corrupt, they should have just lied and say they didn't see it, but they acknowledged on their rate, on their recording 
Well, we saw that, but you're telling people not to go because it's BLM and Tifa. I said, I don't care if I tell people not to go because it's too cold or it's too hot. I'm telling people not to go. You're writing a, in a warrant to a judge. I'm telling people to go. And so right then and there, they knew that I knew what oh, I was wow. talking about. And and this and this is where you could see the kind of the change in our, our mentor's attitude where he starts to get upset. So they go through a series of, of questions. But here's the thing that people that's really important because it's it's beyond just me. Right. During the course of this interview, they asked me, who did you vote for for president? I said, Donald Trump. What party are you registered with? I'm a Republican. Now, this is what I'll say, Mel. In the thousands of interviews I've been a part of in my career, 14 years, I've never asked those questions. It's and not why important. would you? It's not relevant. It, it, it's not uh, unless this is political persecution. It is. Yeah. That's the only reason you would ask. And they're not even so, hiding it. You would think that, that 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 would be like, don't bring up Trump. Don't bring up this. <laughs> the opposite. It's so brazen. And at that point, like you said, this was the fog of war for everyone. So, you know, you're sitting there realizing, you know, this is this is about that more than anything else. This is about domestic terror, like the, the, the new definition. They were probably, you know, in the back, like, OK, this guy, we, could, we can we can say he's that. No, a hundred percent. So they go through um, the rest of the interview is pretty typical to, you know, a lot of the other January 6th stories. However, at the end of it, our mentor, the one that's the detective on the JTTF team, um, he says, hey, um, we know about you trying to save Gibson. You know, some of us knew him. Sorry, that didn't work out for you. Now, why this is important is Jermaine Gibson, Officer Jermaine Gibson was my partner who during a pursuit he crashes his car, and I watch him burn alive on March 18th of 2011. And they know this. Well, what we came to learn is they're taking all my firearms that I own. And when I ask them why, it's because they got a California red flags law, um, gun violence protective order, to take my firearms. It's, 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 there's most states have this, but here's a loophole that I didn't even know about in law enforcement. We actually didn't learn about this until several months later. But the reason they did that, and they actually got the red flags law search warrant the day before they requested the criminal probable cause search warrant. The reason being, and this is what we learned later, they knew they lacked the probable cause foundation for the criminal warrant. But what we learned from the judge was since they had this gun violence protective order, that supplements the absence of the criminal probable cause. So in other words, if you live in a state that's a red flag law state, all they have to do is fabricate some story that right. you're this danger to society. Yeah. They can come in based off that and then search for the crime, which is, you know, what they did here in my situation. So they finally at this point, now we're a couple hours into it. It's probably 11 in the morning. They allow me to go into the living, into the dining room next to the living room. And I'm asking them, what, what do you guys want from me? Like, what do I got to do to keep you guys from coming here again? And so our mentor says, he goes, look, man. He goes, you seem like a good guy. This is your chance. Take the off ramp. Stop tweeting about the government and just go back to your wow. life. Oh my God. So, well, Holy it, did, cow. It, it actually, that upset me later in the day when it started to sit in the request versus then. I think then I was just still kind of like, fine. That's it. Then that you could have just called yeah. me. <laughs> so, well, and I told him that during the interview, I was like, you guys could have called me. We could have yeah. explained this away, and if you didn't like my explanation, wanted further questioning, I would have just showed up with my attorney. We would have went through the process. Exactly, exactly. And think about the amount of money 
that all those having all those guys come do that. And it's happened all over the country. And what you're saying, too, is, you know, that red flag law I had on uh, somebody uh, actually from California talk about it before. It's purposefully uh, vague. You know, it, it's it's purposely written so that it can be manipulated into anything. So what you're saying, this is why it's so dangerous and why we shouldn't, we should totally be against them and it's unconstitutional. But, and you know, they make it like, they don't want crazy people. No, 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 that's not what it's for. But that you actually are an example of them using a red flag law in, in the vaguest interpretation possible to paint you as something you're not. And that is what the fear has been of everyone that talks about the red flag laws. And you're an example of why. So that's really important for people to understand that they just took that law, they created a scenario, then they, they knew about your partner being killed in front of you or dying in front of you, and they, they created a, from the language, something that's not real. It's crazy. Well, because he, he knew that when he made that statement, that if I would have showed any time of, of emotional distress, they right. get to document it, yeah. and now that corroborates right. their, their warrant, you know, so... The fact Even that if he you said just balked at it and said, how could you do that? They would have said that you were probably emotionally unstable. That's how it's written. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people have to know that, but people need to fight back against these red flag laws. They are terror. They're very dangerous and they're not aimed at the mentally ill. That's not true. Go ahead. Yeah. And, and, you know, I guess, fortunately, unfortunately, this was my career because I could see what they were trying to do while they were doing it because I've been a part of this so long. Yeah. But the normal person is not going to see that they're trying to walk you into traps. Yeah. You know, and and they're going to show what wouldn't what may be this natural human reaction to to something. I mean, it's it's a painful experience. Yeah. And then they use it. So so they do that. Um they don't arrest me that day. So this is January 15th. Um Jan on inauguration on inauguration evening, you know, after the inauguration's taking place. Um, I'm at work at the time. Now I was working for the Palm Springs Unified School District because I was still fighting for my old job with the agency. Right. And one of my partners calls who he used to work law enforcement, too. And he goes, hey, man, because everybody kind of knew what happened by this time. My partners, he goes, hey, there's some unmarked cars <laughs> around the, the school district. He goes, and there's two marked units down the road. He goes, you think that's about you? I go, it might be. So he drives off. They actually stop him and ask him about where my whereabouts are. So he wow. says, well, he's working. So he calls me. He tells me. And so I called my boss, who happens to be a friend. And I said, listen, if they're doing this, it's for an arrest. Like, they're right. not going to do this for. At, at the school, money. just so everyone yeah. in town and every parent and everyone knows. I mean, this is a, this is a it, it's so it's so egregious. It's like the Gestapo. OK, so go ahead. I'm just so yeah. it's so scary, too, because then all the kids, all the I mean, it's traumatizing and they don't care. They just want the show. So so I tell them, I go, look, I'm not going to get arrested in the school uniform. I go and embarrass the school, let alone myself. I'm going to go home. I'm going to change into civilian clothes you know, kiss the family, you know, make sure they know what's going on. And then I'll, I'll head over and I'll meet these guys. He's like, all right, I'll go with you. So they don't try to say anything. So we go to my house. I change. Obviously the family's emotional wreck. Cause they're like, what do you mean? What I'm like, they're going to arrest me. This is what it's about. Um, I make sure she has the number for the attorneys, like, you know, the phone tree. And by this time my partner calls me, he goes, Hey, they pulled me over again. Um, I go, listen, tell them that I'll be there. ETAs like, I think I was said like six or seven minutes. So I show up there at the the gas station across from the school district. Oh, God. I get out, and it's Palm Springs Police Department, who's a neighboring agency. I, I, I knew most of the guys that were there. 
And the sergeant, uh, who I've known for quite a few years, uh, he comes over and he's like, hey, Luna, you know what this is about? I said, yeah, they're at my house a few days ago. It's about my social media. And he goes, no, man, it's about a, it's about a rifle. I said, no, no, no. They're at my house a few days ago. It's for my social media. He goes, no, man, they have a warrant for an assault rifle. So this time the agents see that me and him are talking. So I don't know if they didn't trust him that he's giving me information, but he's just telling me what, you know, he would have told anybody. This is from a rifle they, they took from your house? Yes. Wow. So they, they come over, remember, five days later. So the two agents come over. They see that I'm like, I have that like, what the heck's going on look. And I'm like, hey, what's he talking about a weapons charge? I go, you were at my house for the social media. And so they said, well, you're under arrest. Um, they go into the thing. They don't want to give the information. My boss, who happens to be my friend, he sees, I'm pissed. Like, now I'm tired. I'm yeah. just tired of this. And he's looking at me, and he's doing like the just don't give it to them. You know, don't, yeah. you know, just. So I shut up, and I just say, hey, what's the bail? And because in my head, I'm thinking, you know, it's a web, single weapons charge um, should be $30,000, $35,000. And they're all quarter of a million dollars. God. That was my reaction. So I go, what are the other charges? And they go, no, it's just that one. So I knew instantly they did thing in California and other states probably have two, what's known as a bail enhancement. Oh, wow. I've done maybe four or five of those in my career. Those are for the most like egregious scenarios. Like, like you're a domestic violence where the victim almost died. And right. if this guy gets out, he's going to finish what he started. Like right. it's for that kind of situation. And so I knew they did that. So they, they put, they handcuffed me, they put me in the paddy wagon and they have one of the transport officers start taking me. So here's where things get a little interesting, but in a good way, I'm in the back of this transport wagon for the Palm Springs police department. We were pretty, we start driving off for a distance away. And I noticed the, the transport van starts pulling into like this dark commercial lot. And I'm like, what the heck's going on here? So the transport officer, young kid, or young man, not a kid, but young man comes, he opens the back doors. He's like, hey, man, uh, go ahead and step out. I'm going to move you to the front. Now, at this point, with some of the lies, all the stuff that's going on, I'm like, ain't no way I'm stepping out of this thing. And you guys are saying that, you know, Luna was trying to escape. I'm like, I'm not stepping out, man. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, Sarge told me about you. And, you know, he said that this is BS. You shouldn't be going through this. So he said, once we got away, to go to put your handcuffs in the front. And oh, move wow. You to the front that you shouldn't be treated like this. Yeah. So cautiously, I step out, and he did. He, he actually double-cuffed me to make me more comfortable. He moved me to the front. And it was actually the first kindness that I had experienced, you know, in yeah. you know, these five days. So as we're driving to the, the county jail, in my head, I'm thinking, well, this is the one time that being in California is going to benefit me because our, our correctional system and judicial system needs a lot of work. So, yeah. and because of overcrowding. So I'm like, this is a right. single, it's a single felony weapons charge. I have no history, which means I should get fed kicked as soon as I get there. What that means is if you have a nonviolent charge, felony or misdemeanor, and you get taken to the, the jail or the prison to get booked in, they're just going to give you a court date and a ticket. It doesn't matter what the bail is. Right. Cause I'm thinking, how the heck am I going to pay for this? We don't have that kind of money, Sure. but I'm like, Hey, it doesn't matter. I'll get fed kicked. So we get to the jail. They have to shut the entire, um, booking facility down because I'm law enforcement, a former law enforcement. And so, you know, for my, oh my God, and they know that they're putting you in danger, putting you in jail as former law enforcement to begin with, which is totally insane. But keep going. Oh, it, it, Unbelievable. To, your, to your point. And I actually skipped this part. So they asked me, do you want to go to the Indio jail or the banning jail? And I'm telling them, I have suspects I've arrested for murder <laughs> at both. It doesn't matter. 
you know, like that, that's so a problem dangerous. It's with. so dangerous what they were doing to you. And they, and they knew it. I mean, everyone knows if a cop, especially a gang cop, especially in California, goes into a jail, there's going to be gang members in there that either have been arrested by them or know them. You know, they, they dismantled the gang task force as fast as they could, but it's a very big deal and it's a very small network. So they knew they were putting you in danger on top of everything else. They could have just, like you said, brought you in, charged you and let you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they could have went through the process of, you know, just doing an indictment. We go to a controlled area for booking and then court dates and could have done it that way, too. They right. Just, yeah. That's what you said, that they knew what they were walking me into. Yeah. So when I get to the jail, I see the Sarge there, um, the the sheriff's sergeant. I say, hey, Sarge, I'm going to get fed kicked on this, right? And he's like, well, we're trying to check something. And so about 20 minutes pass and I see them coming out with the orange jumpsuit. Uh, out here we have the Riverside County inmates in orange jumpsuit. Right. And so I'm like, obviously I ain't getting fed kick. So I start asking questions at this point now, nobody's talking to me. So, you know, I, I get booked in process like, like an inmate, like a, oh like a God. criminal. You know, oh I have God. to strip down naked, you mm -hmm. know, in front of my former peers, you know, it's, it's, it's a very dehumanizing event I know. when you've done, when you've done nothing wrong. It's so cruel. And, and all these guys knew it. They knew it. And I mean, it, it wasn't even, it's to now, but also a fellow cop, you just would think, but you know, I know enough about all my work. I've done digging into Nazi Germany that, you know, something happens and, uh, and there's a shift. So, uh, they, you, they process you the whole thing and they put you actually in a, you get to the point where they put you in a cell so I think I'm going to go into, so I figured they're probably going to put me like in protective custody uh, with the, you know, the PCers because of my job. Yeah. And I've been to this jail to interview people. So I know where we should be going. And all of a sudden we take a right. So I'm like, where are we going? You know, and I end up getting booked into solitary confinement. Wow. And so what was the reason you, for this? Never to this day, never given one. I'd been respectful the whole time, cooperated the whole time. And let me tell you, you know, if you've never been uh, arrested or a criminal and put in a regular cell, you get thrown in a solitary confinement cell um, and you're not a career criminal, that's torture. Right. And it's to make you crazy. I mean, it, it, it shouldn't be allowed, but so many, it's crazy because so many January 6th defendants spent not just days, but weeks, sometimes months in solitary confinement, you know, obviously you have a show. So Owen Shurier just got out. He was in solitary confinement. Like he's not a threat. You weren't a threat. That that's it's it's just it's totally lawless. But it's just shocking. What what's shocking to me the most is that you're a cop. You're also a veteran, a marine, and these guys all know that. And you know, you would think in your head, it's like all humanity. This is what we're watching in America, and frankly, in a lot of places around the world, which is like, where's the humanity in this? So you're in solitary confinement, which is meant to make you crazy. You have no, I, I'm assuming you have you, have you, at what point do you get an attorney? 
guys, Mel Kay here. Another great thing you can find on our website, themelkayshow.com, is our partners page. We've vetted all these people. They are patriot businesses. If we are going to defund the cabal, we really have to stop giving them our money. So we've come up with a bunch of different partners that support us, support America. They build jobs. They build the economy parallel, which is what we need. So please go to our partners page. Check everyone out. We got something for everyone there. And uh, they are patriots. We are patriots. You are patriots. We got to all stand together going forward. The economy is a big way to fight, and we can fight back by putting our dollars in the right places and not with the corporate entities that are trying to take our country down. So remember to go over to look at our partners page. We vetted everyone. These are real patriots. The best way to fight the cabal is to stop giving them your money. We have a parallel economy we're building, and you can be part of it. Go woke, go broke. We are done with that. Please go to our partners page. Everyone there is a patriot, just like you. So my attorney had already been notified at, while I was driving to get arrested because I had my family contact her right. um, because, like I said, I knew it was going to come down. So I haven't spoke to my attorney, but I know yeah. that she's at least been notified. So I'm like, all right. So I start mentally preparing myself. I'm like, OK, you know, probably going to be a few days. You know, we'll get into next week. They'll take you to your arraignment. You know, I'm starting to kind of prep myself for this. Um and, and just to give people an idea of what this solitary confinement cell looks like, because I, I measured it while I was there. It was eight feet wide, um, 11 feet long. There's a stainless steel toilet um, that doesn't look very clean. Above the toilet where you take care of your business is the water fountain that you drink from as well. Um, there's a steel bench that's, you know, a little stool that's mounted to the floor with a little shelf that, you know, had two books on it. Um, and then there's just a, a concrete bed. And because it's solitary confinement, you get a uh, one towel or one blanket and one sheet, no pillow. Um, oh so you God. decide do you want to you want to cover yourself in the cold or do you want to lay your head on something soft? You know the, the choice is yours. So I I I knew that this was going to be rough. So I immediately you know got on my knees and just said, "Listen, everything I've done for my country, I don't get what's going on here, God, but I don't get through this without you." So once again, I'm calling on you, like. Just bring me peace. I I don't get this right now. I don't need to get it. I just need some peace right now because this is this is a cross that I wasn't prepared to carry. Yeah. And I can't even imagine your your heart must have been so broken too. It, it there's there's so many emotions because I know my family's scared. You know, I'm trying to figure out the why, you know, and the betrayal is yeah. It's like we say we'll die for each other and no one's going to speak up and be like, hey, what we're doing here is wrong. Yeah. And, that's and the scariest part. And that's what everyone has to realize. Like once you get to that place and you're standing there and these guys that you know are probably some of them probably couldn't even look at you, but nobody says anything. Nobody does anything. Nobody says solitary confinement. That's like extreme. Like this is so great because what it tells you is that these guys are scared. You know, it's not just you. It's these guys that know it's wrong that aren't saying anything. They too, I believe, probably feel like they can't, which is ter terrible to have law enforcement not do the right thing just because. But this tells you how high it goes, I guess. Well, actually, that takes me back to something really important from the day that they did the search warrant. And I, I left this out and I apologize. During, and I want to remind everybody, this is January 15th of 2021, when they executed the search warrant. So 99% of the time when we execute a search warrant, we 
once it's safe and we start the search, we start from the front of the property and we work our way back. Um, narcotics can be the exception because we don't want it to get destroyed if we have this, you know, specific information where it is. But 99% of the time we start from the, you know, the street line and work back, which is what they did in my case. So my truck, you know, I'm a Marine, so everything is organized. You know, my truck was destroyed inside and out. It, it looked, it was just destroyed. My garage destroyed. Uh, my son's bedroom, which was his birthday, his is the first bedroom in the house, destroyed. And then they got to the hallway, and in the hallway where my stepdaughter's room is, is on the wall where my missus had all my accolades, you know, the Medal of Valor, Congressional Awards, like everything's there. And the only reason I know this is because, you know, my stepdaughter told me. She says, because by this time she's in her room being babysitted by one of the agents, oh, God. that they all stopped and they were all congregated right there where all my awards are. And that one of the guys asked the bald guy, and it's my opinion that that bald guy is the team leader based off of the things that I remember, but they ask him, hey, are we arresting this guy? And he says, no, I think this is one of the good guys. Now, my my house up until this point is destroyed. Unbelievable. The rest of my house, to include my bedroom, which is where my firearms are housed, treated with respect. They, they folded my stuff, put it... It all, you would think two different teams searched my house. Like that's the the dramatic difference between this. So what that told me, because remember, this is what I did for a living. Right. That told me that at zero three in the morning, when they had this briefing to execute this search warrant, those two FBI agents told these guys, told these SWAT operators, probably put the fear of God in them. You know, this is some disgruntled evil cop. You know, some. You know, a uh, combat Marine that is just, he's bad. I mean, they, he, they probably really made these guys think that I'm a threat. Right. And then once they dealt with me, once they dealt with my family, once they saw our home and then saw those awards, I think the gear started to turn where they were like, I think someone played us here. Because you could see the dramatic difference in the, yeah. in the search team. That must on, be. On that they... makes sense. Well, this is what you did for a living. You solved crimes. So, uh, and this is a crime against, as far as I'm concerned, you by uh, a very rogue agency trying to make an example of you. I, it, this story is so crazy because, again, um, I, I'm sure you just saw Matthew Graves, the guy who's been uh, charging everyone from D.C., just announced that they're going to go after another thousand people, I believe, that did not enter the Capitol. Your story is so crazy because not only were you not there on January 6th and there's no probable cause or anything, but this is like a week later in a state across the country on and at the time on social media, there were probably hundreds of thousands of similar posts. So going after you that you are in law enforcement um, had to have been a who can we make an example of situation because the entire thing is is you know none of it makes sense unless they were looking for specific people and said oh bingo this guy's this this guy's that you know he we can do this here I mean it looks sounds like very um, strategic to do this to me and also it put the fear of God probably in all of the police officers, like you're saying, and all of the, and, and people knew the FBI went rogue. Now, was this FBI agent always in that jurisdiction or were they like many of the FBI whistleblowers said that they were relocated after January 6th? Was, was that his jurisdiction to begin with? I, I don't know. But what I do know is because to go back to that why question, I'm like, I'm just, we all want to think we're a lot bigger and more important. <laughs> Yeah. But realize, you know, I'm being real, real realistic when I'm like, I'm just a small fish in Southern California. Right. 
you know, with a very, very small Twitter following at the time. Why? Like, what relevance do I hold to this big scheme? And as I start asking these questions, one of the things, and I, and I remember this because the agent himself told me. So Special Agent Armenta, the one that's handling my case, is, yeah. the, same is the same FBI Special Agent handling uh, Officer Fanon's case. Fanon is the the guy that the, the dc officer or i think he's the metropolitan metropolitan officer with all the tattoos yeah was he's a big he's very famous on cnn now yeah, yeah. a lot he, of reporting he, he was, coming out about him as well now but at the time not so much so go yeah, ahead he, he, tell was, that. he was their poster child he was their poster child for this yeah. and and so i remember thinking i'm not really comfortable knowing that my file is on the same desk as that guy's file because i know the level of importance for that case so he got me thinking. So eventually, you know, I get out of solitary confinement and this is what I find out because I was like, you know, I, I, you know, it's after the fact. So I'm, I'm trying to keep it in chronological order. But what I find out after the fact is as soon as I got to the facility, my attorney already had contacted a bail bonds agent. My mom had put her house up as collateral so we could get the bail money and right. they had it to bail me out. Well, when they called the jail saying, hey, don't don't book them in and which the jail said we haven't yet we have the bail money the jail said but you can't bail them out so my attorney who she's known me for years she's represented our agency wow she's like what do you mean you can't bail we can't bail them out and he goes well there's a parole hold on him and so for those that don't know this is what has to happen for a parole hold to exist you got to go commit a felony, get arrested for the felony, go to court for the felony, get convicted of the felony, get serve time in prison for the felony, get released out early for good behavior, and then do something to violate your parole while you're out, and then a parole hold exists. I've never been arrested in my life. So my attorney's like, he's never been arrested. What are you talking about? And so they're like, well, you know, there's a parole hold. So I think six or eight hours later, they end up contacting her in the middle of the night, and they're just like, oh, it was a clerical error. Oh my so, God. Let me, let me so you, you never should have been in there, let alone in solitary. This was, it was a clerical error. You would think that there would be, I mean, that's totally insane. There can't be an error. There, there would be an arrest record. You would have served your time. You would be on, you would have a parole, somebody that, you know, is a parole officer. All that, How can that be an error? This it, is so crazy. In, in 14 years, I've never seen it once. What this was, it goes back to, I should have been fed kicked. But they wanted to make sure that the only way I was going to get out, the punishment's the process. The only way I was going to get out was you're going to come up with the quarter million dollar bail. That That's oh, the only way wow. you're going to see freedom. And so we get out and now, you know, the court process starts. Well, during this court process, they visit, they know I'm represented. You know, there's back and forth for court dates and stuff like that going on between my attorneys and the FBI. On August 4th of 2021, I get a knock at the door. I open the door and it's the two FBI agents. Now they've made no attempt to contact me, no attempt to contact my attorney. I, I learned this after the fact. And I'm like, what do you guys want? Oh, we're here to return your electronic equipment. Now here's, here's where the, the red flags are going off in my career. I've never returned equipment to victims, witnesses, let alone, you know, a suspect in, in according to the DOJ's words, this is the biggest scale in, in the United States history, you know, yeah. Um, the scaled investigation. And so 
um, they don't come, I don't let them in my house because I ask, you got a warrant? They're like, no, we're just returning your electronics. So I step out. I have the baby in the arms. Um, my stepdaughter comes and gets her. And I make the comment. So it's me standing facing the street, Armenta standing facing me, and then Detective Candius is behind him facing him. That's, and I'll explain why that's important. So as I'm facing them, I said, hey, you, you realize the American people do not trust the FBI anymore. And our mentor, the FBI agent, the one that's representing, you know, the Fanon or was investigating the Fanon case says, why do you say that? I said, you had Director Ray a few days ago go on national television in front of everybody and say that he had seen no evidence of BLM or Antifa at January 6th. I go, anybody with a phone, a tablet, at a minimum, has seen the controversy around John Sullivan and the things that he's tied to. Yeah. And then. So then uh, our mentor responds, well, of course he said that. He can't say something that's going to help Trump. And so I look at him, and even his partner, oh, the one standing boy. behind him, because we we're seeing each other, his partner kind of goes like, like that, what'd you say? And so I go, listen, I think Biden's a complete clown. But if I have to testify and say something, like, I got to tell the truth under oath. He starts to realize he said the quiet part out yeah, loud. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, well, we're going to go get your electronics. So they go walk to the car and they're gone for a significant amount of time. Um, and then they come back with electronics. You know, they make me sign a property receipt. And I'm like, yeah, everything in here is probably bugged. Or got yeah, like, exactly. You know, I, that's what I was thinking immediately. <laughs> yeah. so, but so I call my attorney and he's pissed. He's just like, that's misconduct. They can't go to your house. You're represented. He goes, did they try to call you? I go, no, they never tried to call me. Right. They should have gone through your attorney. No, well, they they wanted to make contact with you again. They did, and it it's it actually had nothing to do with my electronics. I'll tell you why they chose August the fourth. They realized they got no case because now they're probably doing their homework on to, on onto who I really am, yeah. and they're probably researching. You know, when I was terminated from my agency and saw that I won that lawsuit and that we're still in the process of that lawsuit, where a judge ordered me to be reinstated. Right. So now they're probably realizing we screwed the pooch here. You know, we actually went after a good guy. The reason they showed up on August 4th has to do with the red flag laws. August 4th is Officer Jermaine Gibson's birthday. Oh, my God. And that and guy knew know, it. And he told you he knew it. They knew historically on his birthday, I put out a post, you know, to, you know, remember my friend. They were showing up on a day, hopefully to catch me distraught, emotional, maybe drunk, something to. Oh, something wow. To, that's rough. That's, that's, oh, that's it's why so disappointing. It just keeps getting more. It's, it doesn't even sound real. It sounds like a movie. And uh, God, can you imagine the level? They were trying to break you, too. 100%. You know, so now we fast forward to October of 2021. And, you know, we're trying to request information. We're filing motions. You know, we're, we're doing the whole court process thing. Yeah. Well, to this day, you know, we don't got, they won't give us the police report. They won't give us the whole warrant. I think we have like seven or eight pages of the warrant, but in the seven or eight pages that we have three times in their words, they type out confidential informant, confidential citizen, and I think confidential informant again, or maybe citizen, but three times they refer to, you know, their CHS as, you know, confidential human sources in yeah. their words on their government document. So we file a motion to reveal the source because we're thinking, you know, my old agency knew they had a multi-million dollar lawsuit coming their way because they had appealed it and we're waiting for that. This all takes place in January. That hearing was supposed to take place in May of 2021. So we, it's our opinion that that confidential source was somebody from the administration from the old agency. And that's why we wanted to reveal it. You know, that was, that's, that's one of three theories that we have. Right. So 
We request it. No one's given us nothing. So finally, we go to court in October, and the DA tells my attorney, hey, FBI contacted me and said there is no confidential informant. It was a typo. Oh, they come on. Oh, come on. And th- you know they what's meant- so scary about your story is you actually know what they're talking about. Imagine how many people are out there and they have no idea. They don't even know the questions to ask. They don't even know to ask about any of this. So now, again, it was a mistake. They said that it was they meant to write anonymous party. Listen, I'll three give you times. One. Yeah, but but and who knows when we get the rest of the warrant, how many more times that it's in there. So this is why I knew that it was significant. And then it reminds me of a question that our meant or statement that Candia said said too. When I write a warrant, or when any cop writes a warrant, right. the one thing, anonymous party, you'll very rarely see us write a warrant off that because the judges. Just they don't like it. They're going to ask you a million questions. You're not going to have the answers to that. And ultimately, you're going to do all this work, and it's probably not going to get approved because judges know what's it could be an ex, you know, spouse, an, right. an angry neighbor, coworkers. Yeah. Like there's just so many motives behind anonymous. So they just don't they don't weigh it very heavy. The opposite end of that spectrum is a confidential informant. Judges weigh that very heavy because they know that as a detective, you went through the whole matrix. Right. And that the only reason we're even labeling this person is typically a safety reason to protect their identity. So it's either you lie then to get this warrant approved by a judge by fabricating the importance of the the source of the information, right? Or you're lying now, you know, to to hide where the source of that information came. Like, but it's got to be one. You don't do the accident three times. No, and and I mean, this was in a concerted effort to paint you. Do you, because I've heard this from multiple people. I also uh, do shows a lot with Jeremy Brown, who I believe was completely entrapped and it's com- unbelievably egregious what he's going through. Uh, he has an appeal hearing, I believe today. Um, but do you think you were targeted because you were uh, military and you were, um, or a cop? Because a lot of these people that were targeted happen to have been military and it's very scary. And they were pro-Trump military and real patriots a lot of them who signed up like you did right after 9-11. I, I, there are hundreds of these people that fit that category. So that's theory number two that I think. You know, I had a chance to speak with Patrick Berge. I don't know if you're familiar with yeah, him. Yeah, I am. So he, he came out in Shadowgate and all that stuff. And I asked him, man, this, why? And he goes, I'm telling you right now, this is his opinion. Um, but he says that because of the predictive analytics and all the stuff that w- that we use in other countries— he goes, exactly. based off of your digital footprint, your your military record, your law enforcement record, what you were doing on social media, the growth they started to see, you started to check the boxes of what you're going to look like in 2022, 2023, 2024, and beyond. Right. He goes, it's the old Terminator movie. Take them out before they ever get started. He yeah. goes, that, he goes that's Minority some... report. Pre-crime. Well, you you know, set me up that. perfect for where I want to go next. Um, here is, I'm going to read to you guys. This is from the arrest warrant, um, that detective Kansas signed. Uh, I'll read the first two sentences because this forget my case as much as I want everybody to help me. This thing is the scariest thing I've ever seen in any document in law enforcement. And it reads Luna jr's behavior is consistent with pre-incident indicators of extreme violence. For example, empirical evidence shows that persons motivated by violent ideation become increasingly radicalized and move through various stages prior to violence, 
which includes experiencing a precipitous event that acts as a trigger to carry out the attack. Pre-crime. Yeah, it's Minority Report, and and it's the same thing. These are analytics, AI algorithms, but and they were set on in my my belief from everyone I've talked to, Trump supporters, Republicans, Christians, and um, military and former police. I mean, it, it, there's just too many people that fit that entire category. And then you and I both saw, you have your own show that we'll talk about in a second and you've reported it on your show, but we were all shocked when we all, when we, when that Newsweek article came out and it said that there was a new FBI unit created after January 6th, probably way before January 6th, as we both know, uh, for anti-government, anti-authority uh, uh, threats and that I bet you this is this is the criteria and every single cop and every probably first responders in general and um, and military and vets, it appears I would I would think would should be looking right now. Anyone watching this and make sure and do what you can to see if you have been labeled like this, because I believe you also uh, since then have been labeled not just a domestic terrorist and they've gone around and dox you and, and you know, in many ways. But you also have the. SSSS label on your on your tickets too, right? If you yep. could tell hey, people what that is, because that that this that to me, because I have many friends that you have, you and I have some friends in common too. But I know Ann Vanderseel, other people, they go and they have, they get treated like criminals at the airport every time, and they have this this thing on the bottom, and I think that's what it is too. So, can you tell people what that is? Because they put you in this category as well. Yeah. So, Bank of America sends me a letter, debanks me. Um, that happened in think, April or May of 2021. Um, I still have a job that I'm working as an explosive canine handler. And I'll tell you how that links me to Jerry, uh, Jeremy Brown, because I think there's something there that's very suspect to me. But because of that, you know, we'll go to different states. So I go to Ontario Airport to fly out to Dallas-Fort Worth. And I, f I fly all the time. So, you yeah. know, use the early check-in and all that. So I go and immediately at the counter, it's taking like 30 minutes. I'm like, what's going on? And you could tell where something's up, yeah. you know. And then so from there, they finally say, okay, I go check in my luggage because, um, you know, oversized bag. And then I get to, you know, the TSA part that we all just love to do. And as soon as I get there, all of a sudden, uh, this little red screen, fl screen flashes red or in the corner has a red thing. And I'm looking at the guy because I can see the screen a little bit. And then all of a sudden, they tell everybody to stop. A whole team of TSA agents come over. This guy has, a, the guy has a clipboard, you know. And he's just like, you know, you've anonymously or you've randomly been selected. And he goes through these lists of things that if you want to continue to fly, this is what you got to do. And I'm like, well, yeah, I got to get to my job. Right. And so you you go through the x-ray thing. Then they make you go through that other machine that spins around, you know, do that. They swab because I, I work explosives. Right. So they swab everything, you know, searching for explosives, search everything I have, unpack my bags. They didn't realize because remember, this is still pretty fairly early on 2021, they had to pull my oversized bag off the plane to check oh it again. God. They actually told me. So this is how I find out. I'm standing in line. Everybody's watching because they shut down the yeah, entire course. section. I this. am. Yeah. And, and, and the guy looks at me and he's, he goes, he goes, man, what'd you do to get on this list? Right. I'm just like, 
Well, I'm what glad list? you tell me. The you were probably like, what list at that point? Because <laughs> nobody knew at that point. That was very early because I, I have two friends also. Same thing happened. It was like a whole production, a whole show. Everyone's staring at them. Unpack their whole bags. I mean, this is crazy. And this is all this is also new after January 6th. But you and I both know it was probably well before January 6th. They just, you know, they needed the trigger. They needed the trigger. Uh -huh. I had nobody was talking about this because, like you said, we didn't know. No. So he tells me because uh, he sees I have a Marine Corps tattoo on, on my forearm. And he goes, because that's actually how he presented the question. He goes, hey, devil dog. He goes, what'd you do to get on this list? So I go, I'm glad you're telling me it's a list because everybody else has been telling me it's random. He goes, no, no, man. He goes, you're on a list. I said, and they've so added, they've added, I heard hundreds of thousands of people to that list since then. And people don't know what they're doing. And a lot of people don't even know what to look for. But um, you know, you were early on, but you know what? The good part is that you not only have you spoken out from the beginning, but you've also supported a lot of other people. You also have your own show that has become very, very successful uh, on Rumble and elsewhere. And you're sticking up and you're fighting. So where are you in your fight? Because I want people to know, uh, first and foremost, I talk about this a lot on the show, part of lawfare and what is happening to you, I'm telling the audience, is to destroy people financially so they give up. And they take some kind of plea and they admit I'm a domestic terrorist and da da da. But uh, Alpha's not giving up and he's not admitting that because it's not true and he's got a family and everything. But um, it costs a fortune to defend yourself against these people. They have unlimited money and their first goal is to strangle you and bankrupt you so that you give up and you're another statistic on the list. And he's not allowing that to happen to himself, but you know, he has a family and everything. So I want you to also talk about um, how people can support you in this fight and where the fight is and what's upcoming so they can follow your case. Yeah, absolutely. And and I won't quit. And you said yeah. it earlier in the show, you know, because of my background. So I always say, you know, unfortunately, fortunately, what's happening, it sucks. You know, I'll, I can take it, but to see what it's doing to my family really yeah. sucks. But it's better me than someone else because I get to see all these things and there's so many more. There's so many things that they did that they're not misunderstandings. It's, it's blatantly wrong, a blatant violation of the Constitution, blatant violation of judicial law. And because of my experience and because of my credibility, when we yeah. go to court, they're going to have a hard time trying to explain this. And here's here's why they know that. They actually dismissed the civil case gun violence, the the one for the red flag laws to take my guns, because the day that we're supposed to go to that hearing, they told my, my attorney, you guys got to show up, but we're dismissing it. Because even though the criminal case, which, you know, the deep state controls yeah. is going is not going our way, they knew in the civil case, these FBI agents are going to have to take the stand. Wow. And me and my attorney, because he used to be a gang cop as well before his attorney, we know wow. exactly what to ask him. They were not going to risk that, so they dismissed the the civil case. Since then, they've offered multiple pleas. I've told them yeah. to go pound sand. As a matter of fact, for about you. a month and a half. Good for you, because that's hard. I know how much money it costs to keep going. There are so many people that have, you know, they, they have families, they have everything, and they had to give up. I have, I have multiple people I've talked to from, especially these January six people that. They couldn't keep going. So thank God you are. And thank God. And I know you have a show too. So that must help too. Cause it's keeping you going and keeping your spirits up. So, it, okay. So keep going. It's, it's hard. It's hard Mel, because the, the easiest thing for me and my family would be to just take this plea. That's the easy thing. I know. Especially here's the last plea they offered. They said, Hey, 
we'll reduce it to because I've said no about to seven or eight pleas already bargains. Good. So this final one, they said, hey, we'll drop it to a misdemeanor. No probation, no nothing, no restitution. I'm like, restitution to who? But no, nothing. As a matter of fact, they said the second you sign guilty to the misdemeanor, we'll close the case. You can file for an expungement the next day, and the DA will support it. And I told them, go pound sand. Yeah, and again, trial. that's what they're telling you. But we also, you and I both know that they have uh, a lot of these people that took pleas were told a lot of things. And they are now on a domestic terrorism list that if Donald Trump does not get back in office and pardon all these people and turn all this around, even the ones that took pleas will be very difficult to remove that. Once you say impossible. that you're guilty, it's almost impossible to get that off. And then this domestic terrorist list that everyone that took the pleas ended up on, they didn't know anything about that until something else happened in their lives, be it they were going for a job, they were going to apply for something, or then uh, it came up and that there was actually a, a list. So that is the very sad part of the story that a lot of people don't know, is especially the January 6th defendants that were arrested that day and put in the gulag that took pleas to get out right away for life. They are uh, until until we have this country turn around. But right now in their hearts and minds, they're told that they are on this list and it's impossible to get off. And we will we will work on that. But that is true. And that is why I would assume part of the reason that you're not willing to write guilty because it's imp almost impossible to undo it. Uh, that's one. That's definitely one reason. The other reason is one of us has to risk it to make sure that they're held accountable. We have to get them on the record. And listen, I don't want people to think that I'm naive. I know I'm walking into a fixed system, but it's my hope. Like, this is what I've told my attorney. You're not fighting for this case. Set me up for the appeal. Yeah. Because hopefully by then we have Trump in yes. and we start to correct this judicial system. And then we make them pay the price for everything they did that was wrong and illegal. I go, so. You're one because... of the few people and you and you have to do it. Listen, I talk to people that they couldn't. They had families. They, they they were the breadwinner in that family. A lot of them cops and stuff had pensions. Like, so it was, there was no choice, but they have that other side that they, a lot of these people did not understand that there was a new list created that would bar them from a lot of things in the future that if once they signed guilty and it wasn't, it wasn't a get out of, get out of it. It was, it was, and a lot of these people, they did it because of money. They didn't have the money to keep going. It, they couldn't, they couldn't keep going. I'm in a better position than a lot of the other J6ers because worst case scenario for me is three to five years, which trust oh me, God, you didn't even, I don't want to so do crazy, but it, it's mean, easier. it is easier for me to risk that versus a J6er that's looking at 15 to 20 years. Now I don't want to go to jail. I, it's you know, all the my, same case though. Honestly, even though your case is different, it's not, this is creating the illusion that MAGA Trump people are domestic terrorists you know, last night when Trump won uh, Iowa, you and I both obviously knew that that was going to happen and it's going to continue to happen. These people are desperate and it, they need to keep that. This is why they're going to arrest a bunch more people that didn't go in and probably a bunch more people like you, because what they need to create is the illusion of that the domestic terrorists, the threat to this democracy that we don't have um, are are citizens and, and mainly retired vets. I, I'm telling you right now that I, I am 
almost 100% sure that if you are a retired veteran, you are on there. How can we get, how can we, entra- I mean, a lot of it's entrapment. It sounds like that with you, with the mistakes, but whatever the case may be, you're keeping fighting. Uh, when's your next, um, when's the next round? I'm so sorry. I know that this broke your family. Your, your mom had to put up her house, all this stuff. It's all bogus, by the way. I hope the audience gets that from your story, but there's nothing you can do. But the fact that you're fighting, like you said, people do, that's what Jeremy always says. People do need to fight it because if we don't fight it, we don't expose it. And you get you get to a point where you get some of those people on the stand and all of that. Even if even if you get your appeal comes and Trump gets in and everyone gets pardoned, we can't let it go. And we can't let it go that these people, these Gestapo agents followed orders because that's what they did in Germany. And those people went into the sunset and pretended for the rest of their lives that they didn't remember or know anything. And I don't want to, I don't want that to happen. These agents that were doing this to you, knowing that you were a cop and a veteran and knew what they were doing and kind of just went along with the program, you got to hold them accountable. And I'm the strength that you have inside to do this. And, and what's great is, you'll tell the audience where and how to follow your show is your show has gotten much more popular, which has probably bothered them a lot because they're watching both of us. <laughs> so, so, you know, but the good news is that you're also an example and an inspiration for people out there that um, are watching this unfold and are rooting for people. And you're somebody that you, people can root for you and follow your story. So um, tell everyone a little bit about where the case is, how they can support you financially to keep fighting because you do need to get a decision regardless, whatever way it goes. Um, if it goes to an appeals court, you got to keep fighting. You you are on the front lines. You got a public uh, face out there that people can get behind. So go ahead. Yeah, and they do watch it because they've gone on the record that they watch it. I know. They... My, me too. <laughs> I'm 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 well aware. It's okay, they, you know. They, they, they let let God judge us. You know, right, we're doing well, the right thing. We try thing. to get. When we tried to get them to reduce it, you know, from the felony to misdemeanor, they went on record. You're, you're honored. He does a show. And it's I like, I I've seen it with a lot of people. I, there's been people, at least five people. They've played segments from my show in their court hearings. Yeah. It, it's just like, you know, and that was the one thing my, my attorneys had to give, you know, say, give me the green light to do it. But once they saw me do a couple of interviews and like I said, yeah. they've known me for years. They're like, okay, you're, you're not going to say anything dumb. You know? Right, and everyone loves you, and you're a great interviewer, and it's it's a good show. And and you know what, it must be. But for some of those guys that actually did this to you, if they watched your show, they'd be like, "Oh God, he's really nice. I really like him." <laughs> I I I have this running joke uh, that I talk with Kyle about. And I'm like, they probably have to rotate the agents that watch the show because they're probably getting red pill. <laughs> so exactly. you know, they, they probably have to cy- <laughs> cycle cycle. Yeah, I know out. Kyle. He must he must get a kick out of that too. Exactly. Um, what I'll say is uh, on Rumble, you guys can go to search out The Alpha Warrior Show. You can find me or you can go to my website, thealphawarriorshow.tv. You can find everything there. You can find in the trenches of this information war with me on X, formerly Twitter, and that's at X, Alpha Warrior X. This part's hard, Mel. I, I hate asking for money. I've been working since I was oh, 17. Oh, I know. You know, and and I know there's always one, and I get it. You know, let's go get a job. I tried. In the beginning of all this, I not only did I try, but I did. I got these great job offers. They, I have an impeccable resume. They would even offer bonuses. No, and it's part sudden, of the war. It's part of the. It's part of wearing you down. They want you to take a plea by any means necessary, and that means breaking you in every way, including financially. You're not letting them break you, but we do need help here because they have unlimited money. And they will do it as long as they can. And you have a family. So I want to know, I want to donate and help you uh, continue. And I want you to get to the phase where you get a decision that we can actually work with after that. <laughs> so, yeah, and, 
And like I said, so I, I try, and they, but then they do that background check, that FBI thing flags it, and they resend the offers. Right. So it's forced me to, you know, to to, to, to fight. So I do have a gives and go. It's right. givesandgo.com forward slash defend Patriot Luna. Um, been right. about three years that we've had it now. Great. Um, you know, I tell people a, a little bit from a lot of people makes a huge difference. Yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. And it makes and it gives you know what it gives people purpose too. I have a really, really generous audience that knows I only bring on people I vet. I've actually known you for a few years. We've been back and forth. So um, no, it's very, very important that we get some they might look like losses, but they're decisions that we can work with later and then we can dig into them. And this is why some people that can withstand it, like like you uh, have to have to fight the battle to get to the end of the game. So we have all the information on the other side. So I think it's very, very important. So $5, $10, hundred, whatever you got, uh, I'm donating today. Cause I want you to get to the place where we have a decision that we can look through all the evidence and you can go through it and we can figure out how this happened. Cause you are one of thousands of people. And luckily you had the fortitude, the background, the knowledge, and a lot of things other people didn't to fight this battle. So again, tell my audience, uh, the give, send, go is what? Uh, give, send, slash defend Patriot Luna. Defend Patriot Luna. Go there right now. We'll put the link below, um, you know, and stay up on his case, uh, subscribe to his show, follow what he's doing, go to his website, pick him as the one person it, you know, you're lucky enough. It didn't happen to you, but it could have. So, you know, we all got to get behind the people that it did and uh, be their little army and their team and their cheerleaders behind them. And I am a huge fan of you. Uh, you've been, we've been back and forth supporting each other uh, behind the scenes and in the trenches, and we're not going to stop. We're never going to stop. And a lot of people didn't know a lot of people watch your show and they don't know that you're also that this happened to you because you are very humble about it. So uh, please, everyone go over all his links are below. Um, I'm so grateful you came. Your story is horrendous, but we're going to get through it, all of us together. And on the other side, you're going to be able to do a lot of things uh, with what happened to you for, for good and for the betterment of this country in the future. So thank you so much, sir. And any last words for the audience right now? There's a lot of people out there, you know, looking at 2024, shaking their heads. What's, what are your final thoughts? Don't self-censor. <laughs> Don't start living like a prisoner. And no matter how bad it gets, God wins. We just got to do our part. Thank you so much, sir. I'll see you again. God bless you and your family. Thanks. Oh, I hope you're enjoying the show. I was just talking on my new Patriot mobile service. I have to tell you, I'm so excited. They are incredible. They are America first. They, they align with my values. And you know what? It's unlimited minutes, unlimited text, Wi-Fi calling, unlimited data, high speed, everything that you could use, just like everyone else. We have our time, we have our vote, and we have our money. And the great thing about Patriot Mobile is your service will be exactly the same. Difference with Patriot Mobile is they are an America first company. And what they do is they reinvest their money into causes that matter to me and matter to you and matter to this nation. At Patriot Mobile, those causes are the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, the Constitution, and our children's future. So please go to themelkshow.com. Patriot Mobile is a partner of ours. Please use the code MELK. What I can tell you too is that they are supporting me and they are supporting creators because they believe in the First Amendment. They believe that censorship is wrong and they are gonna put their money where their mouth is. Do what you can for the creators out there that are doing what I'm doing. Please go to Patriot Mobile, Mel K Show. All I can say is thank you so much, guys. Supporting my partners supports me and Patriot Mobile is absolutely awesome. I checked them out. We're switching to Patriot Mobile and we hope you do too. 
Thank you so much. The narrative is falling apart, but as it does, there's so much of this fraudulent disinformation, misinformation, censorship coming from the globalists. And what we need to do is be focused on the facts, cut through everything, be discerning and get it first and foremost out there to everyone. It is important that you know what is going on. Censorship is getting nuts. You guys know it. There's accounts all over the place that are fake, that are not me. I know you guys send me emails and I really appreciate it. And you report it and it's on Telegram and Instagram and Twitter and they're not me. So I'm super excited to announce We The People with Mel Kay. Be the first to join. It's a VIP community, just you and me behind a paywall, no trolls, no nothing. We get to know each other. I will give you the facts first. I break a lot of stories a long time before other people. We can talk about past, present, future, history, what we're doing now, solutions for going forward, what 2024 is gonna look like. I'm gonna do breaking news, do a lot of deep dives. I'm gonna bring that information to you guys first in a live Q&A every week. So please click the link below and join me over there. We are going to create a community, a community that is censorship proof, it's cancel proof, it's truth, it's transparency, it's on the road to God, country, justice, everything that we want in one place. This is the most incredible, amazing time to be alive. As hard as it seems and as difficult as the battle has been for you guys and definitely for me, all I know is that we all are part of the solution. We are all involved and invested and you guys have the passion that I have. So let's join together on live Q and A's once a week with me, Mel Kay, we the people of the United States taking back this nation. This is so exciting guys. I've been dying to do this and we finally got the technology right. So please join me. Click the link below. Can't wait to get started.